Preach him to all and cry in death, behold, behold the lamb. Lord Jesus, we preach what you give us through your death and by your resurrection in terms of new life. But your message of the kingdom was what God wants to give us also in this life by way of new life, kingdom life, the life that healing brings, the life that comes by way of repentance, the life that comes by turning to God and receiving from God all that God has to give to us. Lord, may we know that life within us tonight. May we know that life that you can give us through Jesus, that life that is your gift by the Holy Spirit. And may we trust you to grant it to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This short story that we've just read from John's Gospel provides for us two contrasting yet related insights, not only into the healing ministry performed by Jesus, but also, I would suggest, into the healing ministry that we seek to exercise in the church today. And I say that because this story sheds some light on what I think are two key features of healing ministry. The first of these is the power to heal. And the second is faith in healing. In John's narrative, Jesus has returned to Galilee from spending some time in Judea, in fact, in Jerusalem. Jesus has come back to the town of Cana in Galilee, where John reminds us that Jesus had changed the water into wine. The account of that incident given in chapter 2 of the Gospel. Now, here in chapter 4, a royal official has arrived in Cana of Galilee after making the 20-mile trip from Capernaum, where his son is ill and lies at the point of death. The official begs Jesus to go with him to Capernaum to heal his son. Sir, come down before my little boy dies, he pleads with Jesus. Jesus doesn't accede to the official's request. The journey would have taken the best part of a whole day and the boy might have well been dead on arrival. Or maybe Jesus didn't actually see the need to make such a long trek to the official's house. Go, your son will live, Jesus tells him. There was no one-to-one -one contact with the boy. There was not even a prayer uttered, as far as we know, from the lips of Jesus. 
Simply the statement, go, your son will live. And that is sufficient for the healing to take place, as the official servants later testify. That kind of healing from a distance demonstrates the power and authority that Jesus possessed in his healing ministry. And yet the Gospels make it clear that it was not only Jesus who had such power and authority. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell us that Jesus gave to the twelve power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And Luke goes on to say that similar authority was conferred on a larger group of some 70 or 72 disciples. Power and authority to heal was seen by Jesus as something that was not unique to him, but something to be passed on to his followers. And that, I believe, means that it's passed on right down to the church today. When Christians who feel a call to healing ministry respond to that call and are trained and then authorized and commissioned by the church for that work, I believe they are given by Jesus that same authority to heal that Jesus conferred on the 12 and on the 70 or 72. And I think that's something that's very important for us all to recognize. Because with that authority from Jesus, isn't just the right to say, I can do that. But with the authority from Jesus comes also the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill that ministry. Through the authority given by Jesus comes the power of the Spirit for healing to take place in the name of Jesus. Whether we're praying for somebody from a distance or whether we're praying with them face to face and laying hands on them or whether we're simply sitting at home and thinking and praying for somebody. Whilst here Jesus brings about healing from a distance, on another occasion he went with another desperate father, Jairus, the synagogue leader, to his house to raise to life his daughter who had already died while they were making their way there. On both occasions, different though they were, the power of Jesus to bring about healing and new life is evidenced, albeit in different circumstances, and in different ways. So this story provides a timely reminder to all of us, to those of us who offer prayer ministry for healing, and to those of us who come to receive it. And the reminder is this, Jesus has given his authority for this healing to take place. And I think we do need reminding of that sometimes. And I think, too, we need the confidence 
that we need to have in Jesus to allow his power to heal, to be made effective through healing prayer, whether we're praying from a distance, whether administering the laying on of hands or anointing with oil, whether we're interceding for others or seeking healing through a word of command. But at all times, we need to remember this. The power is not ours to give. The power, like the authority, comes from Jesus and is channeled by the Holy Spirit. Healing ministry is at its most authentic and Christ-like when it is exercised with the kind of humility that knows where the power and authority come from and the one to whom they belong. But yet, at the same time, with the confidence to trust in Jesus that his authority has been given and his power is made available. So firstly then, this story has something to say to us about the power to heal and the authority given by Jesus to heal. But secondly, it has an important truth to tell us about the role and nature of faith in healing. Again, that's a word both for those of us who offer prayer healing ministry and those of us who come to receive it. When Jesus told the official, go, your son will live, the man, John tells us, believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started on his way. Now, that must have taken great faith on the part of that official, simply to take Jesus at his word, to accept what Jesus said, go, go, your son will live. And to leave and to go back to Capernaum to discover whether what Jesus had actually told him was true or not. The official placed his trust in the person of Jesus. He had nothing else to place his trust in. As far as we know, there was no prayer offered. There was no kind of miraculous happening taking place. There was no spectacle to see and to be amazed at. There was just Jesus saying, go on, it's all right, your son will live. The official is not putting his trust in what Jesus says. He is not putting his trust in what Jesus does. He is not putting his trust in some spectacular, dramatic happening, some miraculous event. He's simply putting his trust in Jesus as a man of God. And I think that's an extremely important point that the Gospels try to get over to us time and time again. It might, in fact, explain what Jesus says next when it says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now, in the different versions of, the, of, the, of this passage, there's a little bit of discrepancy as to who Jesus is speaking to here. The version that we've read from tonight says, unless you people 
see signs and wonders, you will not believe. But then it goes on to say that Jesus said this to the official. It's as though the author is, you know, the translator is hedging his bets here. But both verbs in the Greek are in the plural, suggesting that Jesus wasn't addressing these comments to the official alone, but he was addressing these comments to those who were standing around. Maybe those who were waiting to see something spectacular happen. Jesus says to them, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Is that what you're putting your faith in? He's saying to the crowd, is that what you're looking for? Will you believe if you see something dramatic and spectacular that causes you to go, wow? That's not the business I'm in, Jesus is saying. I'm not in the business of trying to amaze you by spectacular events. I just want you to take me at my word I just want you to put your trust in me. Which is exactly what the royal official does. But there's one further point here about this whole business of faith in healing, of trusting in who Jesus is, in having confidence in the person of Jesus. And that's the location of this incident I don't think it's a coincidence that John is telling us that it took place in Cana of Galilee. Because I think John is meaning us to underscore here what Jesus is saying about the role of faith. Cana was where, as we've already been reminded by John, the place where Jesus turned water into wine at a wedding feast. And in that account in chapter 2, John comments that this was the first of Jesus' signs by which he revealed his glory and his disciples came to believe in him. Back again in Cana of Galilee, as Jesus brings about the healing of this official's son, Jesus is again encouraging faith in him. John concludes the narrative of this incident by saying, now this was the second sign that Jesus did after coming from Judea to Galilee. And the use of the word sign, again, is very interesting. We know what signs are. They point us in the right direction. They show us which way to go. They're not the place that we stop at. They're not a destination point. They're not the place where we feel that we've arrived. We've got further traveling to do. And that was the case both with Jesus turning the water into wine, which he was quite reluctant to do actually at that wedding feast, nor are we meant to simply stop at a dramatic kind of healing. Jesus is wanting us to see those kinds of what we call miracles or signs and wonders as being just what John tells us they are, signs. Signs that take us further along the road of faith. Signs that point us to Jesus. Signs that lead us to put our trust not in the spectacular, but signs that lead us to put our trust 
in Jesus. And that includes you and me too. That's what Jesus wants from you and me, from all of us tonight. Just for us to put our trust in him. Not to expect something dramatic and spectacular to take place. And then if it doesn't, to think that, oh, well, perhaps, you know, I didn't meet with Jesus after all. Or perhaps the healing hasn't taken place after all. It probably may have done. But it may not be obvious. No, Jesus wants us simply to come tonight and put our trust in him for whatever it is, for whatever we've come for tonight, for whatever our situation may be, whatever our need is. Jesus just says, trust me. Trust me, I'm with you. Trust me, I will always be with you. Trust me, I will see you through this illness, this situation, this problem, this difficulty, whatever it may be. Just trust me. I'll be there for you. Trust me. And in the end, it will all work out. So then, a short healing story, but one with a very important message to give us. A message first about the power of Jesus to heal in all kinds of ways and circumstances. A power that is available by the authority that Jesus confers on those called and authorized to pray for healing. And a message, secondly, about how we respond to that power and authority to heal. Both those of us who offer prayer and those of us who receive it. And a message about responding in faith. Not trusting dramatic signs and wonders and events for their own sake. Or even putting our trust in those who seem to perform them. But placing whatever trust that we have in the one to whom those signs point. To Jesus, who is our Lord and our healer. Amen.